Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, we got some good news today. You know what it is? Marshall's is opening June 15th. Praise the Lord. Amen. I was excited, and someone from church actually messaged me that one to let me know because they're concerned about their pastor and his mental health, about things. So today we're uh, continuing in our series, The Last Call, and we're looking at the end times, and um, I know most Christians have a real curiosity about the end times. Last time I did a series on this was uh, back in 2011, it's been about nine years, and, uh, and now I did that because all the talks swirled around 2012, end of the year, stuff like that. So I thought I better clear things up because once again, they're saying things are going to happen and they didn't happen. And, you know, I knew what they were saying wasn't true biblically. So uh, uh, we have this series we're doing right now. And I want to begin with this verse, if you put it up on the screen, because today we're going to talk about nearing the last call, nearing as we get closer and closer to what's called the rapture, the great snatching away, what it would look like. But I want to begin with this in 2 Peter 3, 9, and it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient. Say patient. He's patient towards you, not when he's wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. I say that to say this, we're going to talk about a lot of judgments coming upon earth in the weeks to come, and it's easy for somebody to might, might think, um, well, see, God's so mean, he's just a God of judgment. No, that verse teaches us the true character of God. He's patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. You see, <clears throat> one, of the greatest, um, one of the greatest examples of God's patience is that when the Israelites went into bondage in Israel for 400, a little over 400 years, um, in Genesis chapter 15, there's a unique little verse there in verse 16. It says that they would be there prophetically for four generations. So now we know that a biblical generation is 100 years, not 40. <clears throat> That's called first place in the Bible. Every time you see the first time it's mentioned, look at that. Um, and, but it says they will be there until the iniquity of the Amorites is fulfilled. In other words, when the sin of certain people, time has run out and God says, enough is enough. Now I've got to do something. God waited 400 years. 400 years to do something. You know what they were doing among other evil things there? These were people in what would be Israel's promised land and Canaan's land. One of the things they were doing among many evil things is they were taking their babies to the idol that they heat up red hot. And they'd sacrifice their children and put that baby on the arms of the idol. And that baby would scream and scream and they'd pound their drums so the parents would not hear the baby screaming as they sacrificed the children. And so God finally said, he gave him 400 years and you know God's heart's pained over stuff like that. But he finally said enough is enough. And now I've got to do something about that. Kind of makes you think about America, huh? At some point enough's going to be enough. And so never think that God is this God who just wants to bring judgment. No, he's very patient. He's patient to everyone. He's not willing that any should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance. Never forget that. So I want to clear up God's character with that one right there. Now, our key verse for the series is Romans 11, 25, and 26a. It says this. 
I'll read this one every week. For I do not want you, brethren, to be uninformed of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own estimation, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. Now what that's telling us, as I share every week on that verse, that there come a moment in time when the fullness, not the times of, but the fullness of the Gentiles will be done. The church age as we know it now will end on planet earth. That's when the very last person gives their life and begins, becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Whoever that is, wherever that is. When that last person, when that happens, the fullness of the Gentiles, it's complete now. And this church age ends because the church folk, those followers of Christ, will all be raptured and will be taken off this planet. We'll be talking about the rapture next Sunday. So the tagline for our series, The Last Call, is it's the call you don't want to miss. Say that with me. Here we go. It's that sounds great. Say it again. It's the call you don't want to miss. Nobody wants to miss it. Whether it's in my lifetime, I'm getting older now, maybe it'll be in my kid's lifetime, but you're going to see today that, it's, that we're nearing it, and we're going to look at those things specifically today. So if you would, turn to Matthew chapter 24, if you have a regular Bible or your Bible app, whatever that may be, and I'm going to give you an introductory commentary as Jesus begins to lay out the end times and what, we're gonna, what we look for. And then I'm going to give you two points today, very simple, but I'm going to fill in a lot of blanks with that as we look at what it, what it looks like as we're nearing the last call of planet Earth. Now, Matthew 24, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3, and then let me comment on that as an introductory to uh, what specifically we'll be talking on today. Verse 1, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away. When his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. So he's walking, come out of the temple, he's walking away from it, and the disciples point to those temple buildings. Jesus makes this statement to them. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. It's a huge statement. Now notice they've moved. Verse 3, there's movement now. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. So now, after the question, they, they travel down the Valley Kidron on the east side of Jerusalem, and they walk up on the Mount of Olives. While they're sitting there, the disciples came to him privately. Now they got some questions about what he said. Saying, tell us when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Those are some loaded questions and Jesus is going to give them some answers. He said, since you asked, and notice they came to him privately. It's how much do you want to know about God? How much do you want to know? How much private time do you spend with God reading this word? How much do you really want to know? Now, let me tell you what just happened there in that exchange, what Jesus said. He makes a prediction. The prediction that this, this temple would be torn down completely. If you're one of the disciples in that first century there, around 33 AD, somewhere in there, you're thinking to yourself, how's that going to happen? Because these, some of these stones weigh 
500 tons. How can you tear that down? It would take an army, and that's exactly what's going to happen. An army is going to come, the Romans, because they were the oppressors. And somewhere around 67, 68 AD, they siege Jerusalem. And the siege goes on for a few years. And over one million Jewish men, women, and children, they, they die. They finally get into the city, the Romans. The priests barricade themselves in the temple. Josephus, a historian, tells us a torch was thrown inside the temple. It catches on fire. And it burns. And it burns bad. It heats up. Now, there's something inside the temple that's of value. What is that? It's gold. Lots of gold. All the utensils made of gold. And so the gold melts and the intensity of the heat. And after everything is done, the fire cools down, stops and the, and the stones cool down. The Romans are not going to leave the gold. And so what do they do? They dismantle the temple stone upon stone. Because the gold has melted into the cracks of the building. And so, so, so complete was the dismantling People cannot even see where the temple once was. But it fulfills the prophecy that Jesus stated 30-some years earlier. Now, f fun fact. You're going to have some people that will say, if you do deeper study and look at, listen to scholarly type stuff, somebody's going to say, oh, the disciples came back and they wrote that prophecy later. Jesus, he never really predicted that. That's an, an impossibility. Why? Why would I say that? Because read your New Testament. Because if they were so, the disciples that had happened in their lifetime, they would have written about it. And they don't. Not a one. And then they get martyred. And so they can't come back and write something that they've never seen happen. So no. This is the, one of the cool things about the Bible. The prophecies that are so specific and they take place. Yes, written by men, inspired by God. These scriptures. Jesus said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. And so Jesus prophetically states, it's going down. Now, the disciples question, when's all this stuff going to happen? What's the end of the age? When, when, what are we going to be looking for? Two things today, number one in notes, and the first one is, Jesus says things will accelerate. Now, in Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to read verse 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. Now watch this. Watch what Jesus says. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. We've seen that. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. Boy, we've seen that. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. In other words, don't panic. Don't get all premature and excited about the end. Just calm down, because there's still something you got to look for. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. Boy, we've seen those. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Hmm. Now, what is Jesus saying? See, in all the stuff that he just described, you're going to see this stuff. And we've all seen it. And we've, some of us make statements like, oh, we're near the end because there's another earthquake. But here's the deal. Here's what Jesus said to look for. <clears throat> How many of you 
have ever been in the labor room with your wife? Anybody ever been there? How many think it's a terrifying experience that first time? And that first time you're in this like, what am I doing here? This is why, I remember my wife, so sweet, not that day. We got to that Kaiser Hospital bed, Fontana, because there was no Kaiser Riverside. We got in that bed at 5.45 in the morning. And my wife, she looks at me, she's in there, we know, having contractions, she's going, and she changed. I hate you, you know. You know, who is this woman now? And then her, the bed starts floating. You know, what's up with that? And her head does a 360. <laughs> oh, it's been so long since I hear you listen. Yeah, and, and, and she just, it's going nuts in there. It's going crazy. I'm thinking, get me out of here. And then it happens. And I, I, can, I know this woman's ethnicity by her words. There's not my wife, but another. I know my wife's ethnicity. We are in these labor rooms. And they wheel this woman. She's going to the delivery room. And you've heard, some of you have been here for a while. You've heard me make this, tell this story every so many years. And this woman, I can't yell because I have a mic on, at the top of her lungs, she's, they're wheeling her into the delivery room. And she's saying, this is how I know her ethnicity. Ay, ay, ay. Ay, ay, ay. And I thought, get her in there and get that baby out of her, man. Get it now, man. And then I thought to myself, in a few moments, I'm going to be in there. My wife's going to be the ay, ay, ay lady. And then I'm going to be the ay, ay, ay husband. No, I'm not going to be the ay. And the whole time I'm in that, in that labor room with my wife, I would tell her regularly, I'd say, honey, I feel everything you feel. <laughs> right. <laughs> but let me describe the labor room in case you've never been in one. Back then, this is 1983, the first time I was in one. Now I'm kind of like a veteran. No. <laughs> the third child, I almost passed out in the labor room. Can you believe that? I felt like it got to be 1,000 degrees. I almost went down. I said, can I sit down? I'm going to pass out. They said, okay. Can somebody bring me some candy? No, I didn't say that. But back then, they put a fetal monitor on your wife. It's because you're waiting for contractions. And I remember... We were so tired, I'd put my head down on the bed, and I'd actually fall asleep, sitting there. Then you hear the monitor, beep, 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 beep. And you wake up and go, honey. <laughs> Remember the breathing? And then it calmed down, and then I put my head back down. And then you go, beep, 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 beep. And you wake up and hear, <laughs> And you know if you've ever been in there, that, the clo that what happens in labor is your contractions. The closer you get to birth, they get closer together. The closer you get to birth, the more intense they are. Am I right? That's what Jesus just said. You've always had these things. They've always been there. But the closer you get toward that rapture, watch for the intensity of these things. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We are seeing the intensity of all these things. Now, in case you're newer to church and you don't understand what I mean by the last call, let me just do a bit today because next week I'll talk on the rapture. But let me give you Matthew chapter 24, verse 40 and 41, just to whet your appetite on it in case you don't know what I'm talking about or what the Bible is teaching. It says, this is Jesus still speaking in Matthew 24. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, 
and one will be left. What Jesus just said is, at this moment in time, when the church age ends, there'll be two people, the saved person, born again, follower of Christ, gone. The person who's not stays, and they go through the seven-year tribulation. They're taken, which means to take, to come and take, to receive to yourself. Same thing Jesus said in John 14, 1 through 3. If I go, I'll come again and receive you to myself. The word receive in John 14 and the word taken here in this passage, identical same Greek word that Jesus is using. He's going to come back and he'll come on the clouds in the rapture. He will not touch down on planet earth. He touches down on earth in the second coming at the end of the tribulation period. We will cover these things sequentially as we move along in this series. Now, that's, that's the first thing. There will be intensifying of things. The second thing I want to share with you today is there will be an attempt to invade Israel. This is real and this is going to happen. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 38, I need to read eight verses to you. Now, let me read them to you <clears throat> and watch this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you what, what's going on. And the word of the Lord came to me, me meaning Ezekiel. God now is inspiring him to write this. Came to me saying... Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog. The prince of Rosh, Meshesh, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshesh, and Tubal. I will turn you about and put hooks into your jaws, and I will bring you out. And all your army, horses, and horsemen, all of them splendidly attired, a great company with buckler and shield, all of them wielding swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and put with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer with all its troops, Beth to Garma from the remote parts of the north with all its troops, many peoples with you. There's a lot of people, guys. They're going to invade. Be prepared and prepare yourself, you and all your companies that are assembled about you, and be a guard for them. Now watch this. After many days, you, these groups of people, will be summoned. In the latter years, you will come into the land that is restored from the sword, whose inhabitants have been gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel that happened May 14th, 1948. That was fulfilled. They're there. Which had been a continual waste. So bad was it when they got there, there were no trees in Israel. You know why? Because the oppressors put a tax on even trees. And so they would cut all trees down so they wouldn't have to pay a tax. Is that crazy? But its people were brought out from the nations. God brought them all back miraculously to Israel. And they are living securely, all of them. Now, what's going on here? The first thing you got to uh, think about is this. Who in the world are these nations? Because some of the names, we don't, we don't even know who they are. Okay, it, it goes like this. Let me ask some questions. What was Nisan originally called? Dotson. Most of you are too young to remember that now? What were, baseball fans, what were the Atlanta Braves originally? Milwaukee, yeah, and you, some of you went way back in time there. Good for you. Uh-huh. We flew, some of us, to Israel this year, the first leg, LAX to Istanbul, Turkey. What was the name of Istanbul before that? Constantinople. The Emperor Constantine named it that. 
What was Thrifty's and it now is? Right. And they still have good ice cream, don't they? <laughs> Praise the Lord, some things don't change. Huh? But here's the thing. Man changes the name of stuff, right? Man changes the name of, of places. And so we have here our names in history of places, of people groups, but the names have been changed. So we need to find out who are these people? Who is God talking about that is going to invade Israel? Well, I've given it to you there in your notes, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. And it says this, Gog of the land of Magog, who are they? They're the Scythians slash Russian area. Scythians were mean, mean warriors. Tubal, the southern shores of the Black Sea. So you're going up in that Russian area, if you know your geography. Persia, modern-day Iran. Ethiopia, that's northern Sudan, that northern part of Africa, northern Sudan. Put is Libya, North Africa also. Gomer, eastern Europe. Beth Togarma is the Turkish tribes, just there to the north of Israel. Now, when you see all these nations together, you have to start thinking about a few things. First off, that's a lot of people, is it not? How many of you have, just to show you that God is going to be in this for Israel. How many of you have ever driven from here to Oceanside? Anybody ever driven that? Raise your hand. Okay. That's about 68 miles. Israel is so little that the narrowest part east to west is 70 miles. How is this little nation of Israel going to be able to fight against all these nations coming together to invade the nation of Israel. That's crazy. Now I want you to think about this. 2,500 years ago during the time of the prophecy, they couldn't communicate with each other, but they can sure communicate now. Let me also say, some of you might be thinking, that's Armageddon. This is not Armageddon. Armageddon is at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Right here, this thing, this war, this invasion we're talking about, this will happen either, and nobody knows exactly, but this is the best scholarly position is either right before, and I'll show you why in a second, during or somewhere after the rapture of the church. Somewhere in that vicinity, this is going to happen. King James Version says that God will supernaturally intervene, and five-sixths of all these armies that invade, they will die. Israel is going to win this war really quick, and it's going to be really bad. Now, let me give you some speculation, possib some possibility. If this war happens after the rapture, it makes sense. Because most of those nations are Muslim nations, except for the Russian area. And so the Jews and the Muslims, they don't get along. If it happens right after the rapture, the Antichrist will come on the scene. We'll talk about him in later weeks. Daniel 9 says the Antichrist will make a covenant, a peace treaty with Israel. Now, when he makes a peace treaty with Israel, that could really set off the Muslim world, could it not? And they could now invade Israel and say, we've had enough of this. And that may be the impetus for them coming in to try to destroy Israel. But God's going to supernaturally intervene in many ways. But here's the one reason why I know God will intervene and Israel's going to win that thing. Ezekiel 38, 23 says this. God speaking, I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and make myself known in the sight of many nations, and they will know that I am the Lord. God says, 
You're going to win that war, Israel. And the reason why is so I will be magnified, that there, people will know there's a God in heaven. And it's interesting to me that during the seven-year tribulation period, that people are still going to shake their fist at God. Can you believe that? But that, it says in Revelation, that's what they're going to do. But here's an interesting fun fact. Why do I believe, and many people believe, that this thing's going to happen around the time of the rapture and then the seven-year tribulation period begins? Because of this verse right here. And I can only pick a few things out about this whole invasion. But here's an interesting one. Ezekiel 39.9. Then those who inhabit the cities of Israel will go out and make fires with the weapons and burn them, both shields and bucklers, bows and arrows, war clubs and spears. And for seven years, they will make fires of them. Okay. Why would a first world nation like Israel, because they are first world, they're very high tech, they're very advanced, that nation. Why would they need to use these weapons of warfare as fuel to burn? Why would they need that? Let me tell you the high possibility. And it makes sense to me. Watch what Jesus said is going to happen. This is something we'll cover, Matthew 24, 15. We'll cover in detail in the future here. Jesus prophesied something. He says, he's speaking to Jewish people in this particular section of Matthew 24. He says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken up through Daniel the prophet, Daniel prophesied this. It's happened once before in our lifetime. In 167 B.C. through Antiochus Epiphanes IV. It's going to happen again but it's going to be worse. Notice, through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, someone standing in the holiest of holies in the temple. Let the reader understand. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. He goes on to say all the reasons why you need to get out of Dodge. Why would Israel need the weapons of warfare to burn? Because when Antichrist buddies up with Israel and he helps them to rebuild the temple, once the temple's done, it's the middle point of the seven-year tribulation. Antichrist now will step into the holiest of holies and he will declare to the Israelis, now you worship me, I'm God. Question, is Israel going to worship him? There's no way. There's no way in life they'll do that. But they'll know they've been had now. And they're going to run. Because Antichrist armies are going to chase. And many people, myself included, believe that scriptural, Scripture leans toward this, that they're going to run to a certain place. It's in southern Jordan. It's called Petra. Or Petra. Some of you went there with us this past June. I'd been wanting to go there for 30 years. Finally got to go. This place was carved out of solid rock by the Nabataeans over 2,000 years ago. They're going to run there. Now, as they are there for so many years, it now makes sense in my mind that they're going to need these weapons of warfare. They're going to need the fuel to survive and to burn for fire, for heat, etc. in that place. It makes perfect sense now to me that as they go, they're going to need these things. 
Now, <clears throat> this whole invasion is going to happen around the time of the rapture. Okay, now let me share with you. I skipped over something earlier, and now I want to go back to it. Jesus said, in Matthew 24, when he was talking about the end times and what to look for, he said, kingdom will rise against kingdom and nation against nation. It almost sounds like, why did he repeat himself? He didn't. When he says kingdom against kingdom, the word kingdom, it means rule or realm. It means country against country. We see a lot of that. When Jesus says nation against nation, he uses a certain Greek word. The Greek word there for nation is ethnos. We get our word ethnicity, ethnic. Oh, whoa, that opens up a whole world. That ethnicity will rise against ethnicity. That's happening everywhere in this world. <clears throat> Civil unrest. Many countries experience it, ours. I've been, I started on Friday. I waited a week and a half because I wanted to get my thoughts down because there's too many crazy people online saying so many things about what's going on. And I like to remain biblical because if somebody challenges me, then show me Bible. And I want to get my facts straight about everything that's going on. So I started Friday. I do every day. I'm doing one every day except today, but I'm going to do one here for you. You don't have to believe anything I'm going to say. That's fine. I'll, I'll be fine. I'll be okay. I'm going to go home and eat lunch, and I'll, God loves me. I'm okay. You know, took a long time to get that secure, but I'm okay. I'll do one every day on Facebook. I'll put it to my page. We put it to Rupa's page. Wednesday, when I do my verse by verse, I won't do one that day. Then I'll continue. I've analyzed everything from a biblical perspective. Each slice is independent. So don't say, what about, what about, what about. You can go to what about for 20, 20 30,000 things. What's the real problem we're facing? I'm leaving work on Thursday here. And I'm walking outside. And it's been weird at work because of social distancing and having to work from home. I came to work every day. I can't do that. I'll go nuts. But as I'm stepping out, I'm not an emotional guy. I'm like Mr. Spock. I, am, I just am. Everybody's crying, everything. I'm like, I don't feel it like that. It doesn't mean I don't have feeling. I just don't feel it like that. But I got emotional. My eyes started watering up. I remember what my thoughts were. My thought was, God, I'm afraid for my country. And then after that was, I'm afraid for my kids and my granddaughter Willa and my other granddaughter who's coming. I'm afraid, God. And I've been thinking about these things. 
I'm a thinker. I'm just that way. But I'm, I stay true to Bible. What's the problem? Hear everything I'm going to say now. You don't have to agree with me. I'm fine. I'll still love you. That's a problem. One of the problems that we're out there in the world, nobody can agree to disagree on anything. Genesis 1.26. Let's go back to what God said. See, when they asked Jesus about marriage, he went back to Genesis. Let's go back to what the beginnings. You can't fix anything until you get back to the beginnings. If you ever do any marriage counseling, you know that's true. On day six of creation, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness. Notice, our, us, our, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons, one Godhead. And let them, man, rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay. What's God saying? What's the truth? The truth is that every human has been created in the image of God. Every human. That's a sanctity of life. That's where every human has, has dignity because of God. But what's the problem? Well, we, 50-some years ago, we started systematically taking God out of everything in this country. You could say, that's not true. It's absolutely true. We are a secular, non-God, humanistic, man of salvation. He can figure it out. Naturalistic. We've all put, we're just part of the animal species. That's what we've come to. We've edited God. So we, we act like animals. We have forgotten. We have forgotten God. And you look at history. Every, every nation that's forgotten God, it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And so you sit there and you hear the rhetoric. And I'm 64 years old, so I've been around the block a few times. And you know, they say we need more communication and education. Yeah, and there's some truth to that. But I've been hearing that for like 40, 50 years. It ain't changing because it's humanistic, secularism. We forgot God. George Floyd killed that day. Outrage. If it was my brother, I'd be outraged. Now let me say this. This is where I think we miss it. Everything turns into ethnos versus ethnos. Shows us we're hurtling toward the end, huh? Here's what we forget based on God's word. And if you disagree, please show me God's word. But don't tell me what you think because that's all Eve bought into in Genesis 3. Eve, you'll be a God. You decide what's right and wrong. And of course, her life spiraled downward because she went with what she thought instead of what God said. See, what we don't say we should say is that a human died that day. Right under that, I'm an American. Let me, let me finish. Right under that, because I'm an American died that day. 
You know, you say, oh, my dad fought in World War II for that man. Don't sit there and tell me what I don't know. My dad took a, took a piece of a bomb in his body and almost died in a foxhole. You're lucky he lived or else I wouldn't have been born. But a human died that day. Everybody's created in the image of God. Here's, you know what? I never, I never saw this, but as I, I, I typed this out, thinking about yesterday, I was thinking about it. And I never saw this before in Scripture. It was like, oh my gosh, God, Holy Spirit, thank you. When Jesus talks about the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, if you don't know the story, Jesus tells a story about a man. He's walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's a dangerous road. People get jumped there and killed, and their goods are stolen. Jesus says a man started walking down that road, and he gets jumped. And they beat him almost to death, and they take everything he's got, and they leave him. Then Jesus continues the story. And now he says, a Levite and a priest all walk down that road. They see the man. And they walk on the other side and they do nothing. And then Jesus says, but a Samaritan, who Jews and Samaritans don't get along in that day. Ethnos versus ethnos. A Samaritan comes down the road. He sees the man. He feels compassion. And he helps the man. Here's what I never saw in that story before. And you could debate me on this, but don't try. <laughs> Jesus didn't say a Jewish man or a Samaritan man or whatever man. He said a man. He didn't ethnos the man. He just said a man. Is God telling us something? He just sees everybody as a human created in the image of God because all men and women are created in the image of God. I don't know if you can tell I'm Mexican. 100% Yaqui Indian on my mom's side. Spanish on my dad's side, a lot of Spanish. I, Iberian is what they say. There's a homeless lady who lives about a mile from my house. She's a white Russian woman. I, I hate to say anything I do, but just to make a point, I'm going to do it. I'll go by there periodically and I take her food and take her clothes. She has nothing. Took her sleeping bag. Her sleeping bag was, her clothes. And now she really likes the Wendy's five for five dollar meal <laughs> with Sprite. And I said, what kind of shoes you got? She said, nothing. I go, what size shoes you wear? She goes, a 910. And her, she's a heavy Russian accent. So I, I ordered shoes online for her. $40. My wife and I. I'm waiting till I see her again because I have to go by and catch her there to give her the shoes. I don't sit there and say, well, it's a white Russian woman. 
And I'm Mexican. That's stupidity. And we're stupid now because we've drifted from God. Everybody's creating the image of God. I was thoroughly offended when that thing came on Facebook or wherever it came, and that thing when they come into Corona to, to protest, and my dad gave his life so people could peacefully protest, and I'll defend your right to protest. I don't always agree with everything, but I'll defend your right to say it. But one of the lines was in that little poster they sent out was, invade the white hoods and make them surrender. I looked at that, I go, are you kidding me? My granddaughter's name is Willa Engel. You're going to invade her house? You're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself if you think you're going to do that. Because I'll physically fight you. There's no way you're going to do that. We've become, professing to be wise, we've become stupid, is what Romans 1 says. We don't see people as creating the image of God anymore. Go back, read it. Genesis chapter 1, day 6. On day 3 and day 6, there's something interesting that happened. Those days, God twice says, and God said. On day 3, he says it twice, and on day 6, he says it twice. If you want to be truthful and get to truth, this is what it says. If you're not a Christian, sure, you could throw it all away. I get it. But on day six, it says, and God said, let us make the animals. And God makes all the animals. But then it says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Do you see what God did on that day? naturalism, which is what's being pushed now, reductionism, everything's reduced down to, we're, we're just the animals. We just came from the ground. They're telling us that our brain and our mind and who we are, we are a result of an unguided, mindless universe. That's what created you. How stupid does that sound? That's what they teach. How stupid is that? But God says on that day, I make the animals. And then God said, and I'm going to make man. Distinction between the animals and man. You say, well, he was created from the ground. He's like, no, no, no. God breathed into the man. God's highest creation. A human died that day. There's something my mom did to me and I'm thankful for. She always told me, if anybody asks you what you are, you say, you're an American. And that's how I live. My mom was right. I'm an American. And on top of beyond, the top statement is, I'm created in the image of God, and so is everybody on planet Earth. So I say, biblically, all lives matter to God. Everybody. Now, and I'm not nullifying anybody. But here's what bothers me. Because we don't get it. We, we are so secular, humanistic, we just don't get it. and we, There's no answers out there. Ravi Zacharias, a great apologetist, just recently died. Some of you listen to him. I, would, I used to listen to him incessantly. He makes an interesting statement. One of his great statements was this. He said, and I'll get the words a little off, but he said, here's what he said. You cannot talk about human rights 
while you are denying people the right to live. He's talking about abortion. He says, how can you as a nation talk about human rights when you're denying people the right to live? 1973, Roe v. Wade, 44 million babies in America have been aborted. 19 million of them are black babies. 25 million are white, Latino, Asian, whatever else. Ain't nobody screaming about that, huh? They said when he made that statement, you could hear a pin drop in that room because everybody knew it was right. See, we've, we've negated life in America. So we're like animals now because we've drifted from God. Now, let me tell you something. I was... Um, This thought popped into my head this morning in the shower. I don't know why it happens that way, but it does. And I'm a movie guy. So let me give it to you. This is, it was like, oh, God. How many of you have ever seen that movie, Apollo 13? Because I gave you 25 years to watch. And now I'm going to ruin it for you. They were go- it happened like when I was like 13 years old. Something. I mean, I wasn't even born yet when it happened, but. But, no, I remember it as a teenager. That air canister blew up, and now they can't land on the moon. And we all know we wanted Tom Hanks to land on the moon. And so they can't land on the moon, and they shut everything down. They go on the limb, and they have to go on the backside of the moon and use that gravity to slingshot back to Earth. And they're freezing up there. They can't turn everything back on the way they want to because there's only so much amps left in the batteries. So as they're talking to Houston and they're getting near to Earth, they're saying, we need the plan, the sequence, the startup to kick the computers on or else they'll never make it back to Earth. When they talk to Houston, they say, we need that plan. Houston says, yeah, we're working on it. In the capsule, the way the movie shows it, one of the astronauts turns to Tom Hanks and he says, uh, they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do it. But thank God Gary Sinise is in the movie Down on Earth. (laughs) And he's down on Earth in the simulator and he's figuring out over and over and again how to get this right to sequentially turn everything on and not go past the ampage. And he figures it out. And he sends a plan. And it turns on sequence, doesn't use amp, and they make it back to Earth. Let me tell you, in my humble opinion, they don't know how to do it. Because they've drifted from God. And now we're animals because we don't see everybody as in creating the image of God. But one man was in the capsule, the simulator. No, he wasn't. He was in real life. His name is Jesus. And he figured it out. The newspaper read years ago, what's the problem with mankind? G.K. Chesterton wrote in and he said, I am, meaning all of us are. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The hypocrisy of judging everyone and everything, how would you like God to judge you the way you're judging everyone else? There's a scary thought, huh? 
So we've left God. We're ethnots against ethnots. It's battling it out. We don't have a clue. We don't have an answer. But God does. You know, Jesus said in the last days, one of the other things to look for, the love of many will grow cold. <laughs> That's a fact. The only person that can give you the love that you need for all of humanity is Jesus. My kids asked me stories yesterday. Did any, you've ever experienced anything? I go, I've experienced racism from blacks and from whites, and the worst towards me have been my own Mexican ethnicity, to be honest with you. I said, but I'm just not going to buy it. I'm not going to get a bitter heart because I've got good black friends. I've got good Mexican friends. I've got good white friends. I've got Asian friends. i got them. And I'm not going to buy into this stuff. But we're hurtling toward the end, ethnos versus ethnos. Let's pray, because we're going to worship again. You guys ready to worship? Let's pray. Let's pray. Just bow your head, close your eyes. God, I just pray this morning. I just pray, just think about what I said. Whether you're at home or here, just think about it. Think biblically, please. Only Jesus is the answer. He said, they'll know we are Christians by our love for one another. That was his number one statement for us as Christians. We know the answer. His name is Jesus. And I pray we come back to that. That we get there. We're the only ones. We're the only ones who know the way out. We need to be the people that stay sane and speak Bible words. And Bible truths. Oh, thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.